Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. Celebrating 75 years of excellence in social work education. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Ajua Robinson. Today's podcast features Professor Deborah Waldroth in a discussion about her research on end-of-life care for our nation's elderly. Professor Waldrop is an expert in end-of-life care, a Hartford scholar, and a faculty member at the School of Social Work with 25 years of practice experience. This is the first of three episodes. In this episode, Professor Waldrop explains the personal nature of studying end-of-life care and answers the questions, what is hospice care and what is its history? What I'm going to be reporting on today is, or presenting to you is very, very preliminary data um, from a pilot project that I've been funded through the Buffalo Center for Social Research. Um, and I want you to know that I just started collecting data in September. So it's a little bit preliminary, but I, again, it, in qualitative data analysis, it's really helpful to put out there what I think I'm seeing, get some, uh, some feedback from you. So that's kind of where we are. We have an, a cutting edge, um, really state-of-the-art hospice organization in Buffalo and Erie County. This research is about end of life, and so at the end of the day, it is personal. And I just want to acknowledge that because some of, our, some of our colleagues came to me and said, I really don't want to hear this if it's about dying. So I just want you to know this is about dying. That's what I do. <laughs> in my way of looking at it, the sun goes down, the sun comes up, and, and dying is part of life. And so um, it is only by asking and by listening that we will understand what that process is about. So I just put that out there as my, um, my image for you. And my view about care, about, about end-of-life care particularly, is that um, we'll never know how to improve care for people who are dying unless we ask people about their experiences, about what works for them, and how to improve it, and how, if we ask it in the moment. And that's what this is about, is asking people in the moment what their experiences have been and what they needed, um, how they made their decisions. This is from Albert Schweitzer, who said, we all must die. But if I can save someone from days of torture, that is what I feel is my great and ever new privilege. Pain is a more terrible lord of mankind than even death itself. And that's the other reason that I do research in end-of-life care is I believe in change through research and I hope that the work that I do will help make um, a difference in the, in the future um, ending of, of people's lives. So that's, that's the whole sort of premise of what I do, why I do what I do. So let me give you a little bit of background. There's a really incredibly changing context. Um, perhaps you've heard it, it's all been in all the news. People are living longer. They're living well into um, their 80s, 90s. There's the, the demographic imperative is what it's being called of the growing numbers of people over age 65. And because of that, it really shapes the social context in which we live with long-term chronic illnesses, life-threatening illnesses. And it shapes the context of our later years. Um, so there's real important um, information that we need to gather about how to make that, those, that time period better for those who will be living it. Um, there are services that are available. What I've found in the, in the years of work that I've done is that these available services are not used at all to the fullest, of, fullest extent. And when you look at differences across the region, for instance, from in the city area, from Buffalo into rural areas, there's huge differences. So they're, you know, they're, they're out there, and people will say, well, there's hospice. But hospice isn't the same everywhere. So that's one of the pieces of background that's important to mention. 
Um, and to, for, you know, yes, it is a pun on words, but hospice is shrouded in myths, right, okay, and misconceptions. And so we really need to take that apart and deconstruct some of what people believe about or what they don't understand about hospice, and that's another um, important part of the background for this project. And then finally, what, what influences people's use or non-use of hospice services? And so that's really what brought me to where I am in terms of this, um, this project. Hospice was initiated back in the 60s, probably before that actually, but the first date of record was by, in 67 when Cicely Saunders, who by the way was trained as a physician, a nurse, and a social worker, um, who she founded St. Christopher's in London, which was the first hospice. And it was, the word hospice really comes from the word meaning, a word meaning hospitality and a shelter for the weary on the long journey. And so those initial hospices were community-based residences, very home-like, um, very warm, very much um, you know, a natural transition from perhaps being able to live independently into a facility where your needs would be met. Hospice came to the U.S. in 74. Um, and it was not at that time a benefit that was covered very much by any insurance company until 1982 when it became a Medicare benefit. And from that day forward, I've actually had people tell me it went from being a movement into a mechanism. And now hospice really has been structured in the way that benefits are delivered greatly by the Medicare benefit. So that's one major change that's occurred. And, and since that time, there's been um, a real morphing of the process, a real evolution of what it looks like. And I'll share some of that with you as well. One of the other really significant dates was 97, which was just 10 years ago, is that the Institute of Medicine did a report looking at the ways people die in our country. And they reported on the great needs to improve care at the end of life. And it talked greatly about the disparities in the experiences that people have um, as they reach life's end. Since that time, um, there have now developed five, essentially five levels of hospice care. Hospice is care for people who are within six months of dying, have an, a life-threatening illness that will end in death um, within six months, and it can be provided in the home. The majority of hospice care is provided in home care settings in, in people's own homes. It also can be delivered in hospital-based rooms that are considered swing beds. Hospice care can be delivered in nursing homes. Many of the nursing homes in our region and in our county have contracts with nursing home organizations. It is also offered in a freestanding hospice inpatient unit, and this is the one in Chictawaga. So that's, um, and then the final, the fifth level of care are hospice houses, which are, again, freestanding units that are not medically based. They're more of a residence. And there are now 4,500 hospice organizations in the country, a steady increase every year. As well, there's a steady increase in the numbers of patients who are served by hospice every year to a record number of a million, <coughs> 300,000 in 2006, and in 2006, it's 44 percent of those people who were admitted have cancer. 56 um, percent have non-cancer diagnoses, and then that's been, it's been going down. The average length of stay is a couple of months, and the median length of stay is 20.6 days, or six months or longer, and people are using it only for less than three weeks, um, by and large. More people use it for less than three weeks than use it for anything longer than that. The majority of the people who use hospice services are 82% are over 65. So roughly one in three um, of our older population will use hospice services in one form or the other. Finally, because research at end of life is important for improving care, not just for this patient population, but for society, for humanity, and for all of us in the long run. Providers of end of life care need to understand better what people are telling us, what people are experiencing, because they don't understand it. And so that's my goal.
You've been listening to Professor Deborah Waldrop discuss the history and nature of hospice care. In the next episode, Professor Waldrop discusses the challenges of asking people in the moment about their decision-making concerning end-of-life care. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our school is celebrating 75 years of research, teaching, and service to the community. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.